Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Sorak, thank you so much for giving your time. It's a pleasure to have you here. I think it will be a wonderful session to, you know, interact with you, have a chat regarding the entire process of uh getting into oxford these scholarships and everything i think thank you so much for your time sonak thank you ashish for the invitation uh, happy to be a part of this podcast and very much looking forward to the interaction perfect perfect so uh, sonak as i'm aware you work for uh, national cancer institute so do give us a little insight you know what is your work about uh, what exactly are you doing So I'm currently a postdoctoral fellow at the National Cancer Institute which is a part of the National Institute of Health in the United States and a part of my job here is to design new tools and techniques to understand how cancer progresses because as you may understand we are a part of a cancer institute so our major focus and theme uh, of our work is cancer i particularly work and rather my lab is also focused on you know, breast cancer and what i am trying to understand is generating a model that is convenient to understand how breast cancer starts how it progress and finally we can also utilize these models to uh, have some of this drug uh, screening to identify some drugs that will be useful for the treatment of breast cancer and because i'm interested on stem cells from my masters and also from my phd uh, most mm-hmm. of my current work utilizes how embryonic stem cells can be mm-hmm. modeled uh, into a mammary gland as you can know like like in a in mm-hmm. a layman you, you can say that we're trying to develop mini organs in a dish like we we grow them in vitro in a in a laboratory settings from an embryonic stem cells and form something that will recapitulate uh, adult organ and now with mm-hmm. the different mutations that happens in a breast cancer patient we try to mm-hmm. understand what are, what are its consequences and so that is something that i'm working on oh wow wow very fascinating so so the idea basically is you're trying to understand what are the indicators and what are the particular sort of effects and consequence of that particular uh uh cell or tissue or how that particular cancer is sort of replicating that's correct so uh, i'll i'll give a very specific example like brca1 which is and brca2 the braca1 and the braca2 these two genes that are frequently mutated in breast cancer patients and mm-hmm. interestingly this this gene is a huge uh, uh huge uh, protein and in every part there is one single nucleotide variant and if if you're familiar with how a dna is is organized it has got the four uh, chemical bases the atgc and one mm-hmm. base if it changes it changes the whole protein structure for example mm-hmm. uh, if you change a letter from a word uh, that changes the meaning of a sentence that's exactly what happens uh, if there is a change in one of these chemical bases it changes the structure and the function of the protein and we don't know uh, there are like nearly more than 5000 or 10000 of these different um, uh, mutations or changes have been reported in the clinical repository and we don't know uh, what what is effect and uh, interestingly not like not all mutations will have a deleterious effect which means if you have a mutations in one of this gene doesn't mean that you will have breast cancer in your lifetime 
there are some mutations mm. that does not show any effect and there are some mutations that will have a very very uh, uh, deleterious effect on your uh, mutations of that protein that will lead to a very aggressive breast cancer so we, one of our labs aim is to classify these variants and see which one is more uh, aggressive which one has no effect and I'm trying to utilize them using this embryonic stem cell derived, this adult organ, to understand what these mutations actually do in the tissue and whether it actually causes um, um, breast cancer or not. Very fascinating, Sonak. I mean, uh, uh, very fascinating stuff and some groundbreaking work you and especially your lab is doing. I mean, uh, uh, kudos to your lab and your work. I am hopeful, you know, uh, in near future, uh, we will be having better solution, uh, better medication uh, uh, for cancer. Right. Yeah, no, we also hope the same. Perfect. Perfect. So, Sonak, uh, tell me a little bit, you know, you you have a very interesting journey in terms of uh, you have all the check marks uh, for a typical, you know, student which aspires to be in your place, right? You have a degree from Oxford. You're working in US. So, you know, let's start from the beginning. So tell us a little bit, you know, for the audience also, it will be very helpful about your journey to your, to Oxford. How did you get in and your experience in Oxford? So, you know, it will be someone starting today. So it will be helpful for them to understand what it takes, you know, uh, when should they prepare? What is the right things they should be doing to ultimately to have, you know, where you are to be working in US, to working in a research lab in any of the different domains, right? So... Right. I think that's a very important question, Ashish. I mean, I think both you and me will agree in the fact that we receive a lot of these uh, kind of questions from uh, aspiring students who are currently in undergraduates or postgraduates as to what is it like to study abroad and uh, leave India or uh, and how to acquire funding, visa and lots of other complications that we all have faced you know, during our, our study. So, uh, for my part during, so I did PhD in Oxford in zoology. And uh, so it started off with uh, interest on, on a particular topic. And as I've said before, I'm still working on embryonic stem cell. I was interested into stem cell biology and regenerative medicine uh, from my uh, MSc courses. And during my master's, I was interested. I was looking for uh, opportunities to work uh, on stem cells. I started a summer project during my master's career in NCBS Bangalore in India. And then that how it started. And during the application, I, to be honest, I was not uh, very much into England or UK. I was more looking for opportunities or grad school uh, applications towards Germany uh and and other parts in the euro uh, why is it that why if i can interrupt you know why why what was the reason you know your initial uh sort of hiccups why to instead of right. considering germany the reason was and and not a, even united states as well partly because uh in us you need a gre and the 2fl and in uk you need ilts and i didn't have the chance to give them during my my studies so the, my initial idea was to go to, uh, to an institution in, in Germany. I was looking mostly for the Max Planck's were some of the best institutes in, in, in Europe. And there, what, what's more important is you write a research proposal, you defend it, and based on that, you are not 
going through these these examinations on GRE and other parts that were, mm -hmm. I mean, now it has been abolished in US as well in some of the premium institutions. But back in 2014, when I was applying, these were the major eligibility issues uh, before you start your application. So that's the reason I was not interested towards US uh, to start off with. But then the only institute I applied in UK was, uh, was Oxford. And partly because uh, I was interested with one of the research where I finally ended up doing my PhD and the, the interest on stem cells and regenerative biology using a animal model that have been not that have been very understudied in the whole animal kingdom. And because I'm from zoology background, I have an interest to, to understand how different animals lead their life and what what is new about their life history and how what new things we can learn from these understudied animals. And that's that's how it started. Uh, within Oxford, the journey was uh, very smooth in terms of the application procedure. I'd say it looks like it's a it's a huge thing because you have to uh -huh. go through the website. You don't know like where to apply, how to apply. But I I would encourage uh, everyone to uh, go through the website of the graduate study of Oxford. It's it's pretty straightforward. I've not seen recently, but I'm very much sure it, it would be same or even better. And uh, after so, how Oxford applications work is uh, how application works is you submit your you have to write a research proposal. That's how the PhD application goes. Mm -hmm. You have to give your CV, and if you have done your uh, education in English, like your schooling and the college, you can ask for a waiver mm -hmm. of the ILTS. Otherwise, you have to give a, mm -hmm. a ILTS score. Uh, I don't know if they still have that or not. But uh, after you, this whole application package fee of like that time it was 50 pounds uh, and okay. then after that uh, the the committee the department where you apply for apply to uh, they will screen your applications they'll shortlist and then they'll ask for an interview and in the interview uh, the lab that you want to apply that pi won't be there and all other lab members will be there to 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 select whether you are uh, good to be appointed as a phd student or not uh, so in my interview panel, if I remember it correctly, there were like around seven or eight uh, faculty members from the department. Uh, they will ask uh, all the questions that you have written in your research proposal. They will not ask any random generalized question. Okay, what is that? Or uh, mm -hmm. cell is doing this, but not this factual uh, question that you generally get in any any uh, national examination. So there is no uh, like bookish knowledge thing. They will try to understand whether you have yeah. that or not what is more important yeah. was to, uh, during the interview is how you have written the research proposal and how you're defending your proposal which means you basically have to defend your thoughts and you have yeah. to show a motivation which that's what i think is very important for someone doing a phd is you really have to be motivated because it's a it's a big investment of three to four years of your life and if you're not interested it's mm. better we do something else because it really takes a lot of our time. It's a not nine to five job. And I'm not telling this to scare anyone, but it's just how mm -hmm. academia works uh, and also how research goes. It, it's not a time limited thing. Uh, you don't have to work on weekends, but sometimes it, it, if it requires, you have to be flexible and do, do that work. But uh, yeah. So, yeah. 
so so sonak tell me so you did the entire process from submitting application to writing your uh, research proposal without any even help no educational consultant like there are many of them in india and abroad who helped you fill the application uh, no help from outside whatsoever you just went ahead and you filled the form everything by yourself and submitted the application right that's absolutely correct ashish uh, there are several of these companies who help uh, students and i think it's it's great that they do that uh, i have not taken it um, any advice from anyone i i was uh, in touch with some of the people who have gone abroad but not necessarily to mm-hmm. oxford on what they actually look like uh, like what the application should look like and how to right and most importantly i did an extensive search uh, uh, over the internet as to how a good research proposal looks like because that's how uh, you you will be selected the research proposal needs to be very solid uh, with 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 some new ideas and it is something that you're familiar with don't write anything that you're not familiar and you've just copied it from someone mm-hmm. because at the end of the day you have to defend that proposal what you have written and at least for oxford mm-hmm. i would say mm, i don't know about other institutions uh, in oxford they ask uh, exactly what you have written they will not come up with any new questions or ask something that you're not familiar with because when you're doing a phd on a particular topic you are you are considered mm-hmm. to be an expert on it you are not expert on a entire span of biological sciences because it's a huge you're not able to answer everything of it but at least if something obviously a new thing will start you should have the ability to um, think out of the box and try to explain it right at that moment wow it must have been a very uh, interesting sort of a tough you know you have seven to eight people sitting in front of you and you're trying to defend your thoughts as you rightly put you know it must have been a challenging experience i must yeah say. it's a challenging experience but i think it it helped a lot because i think most of the uh, institutions these days even in india as well uh, when the higher phd students you have a panel of people because not everyone will be in support of you some may like you okay it's a, it's a great student uh, you can do great science some people will say like no i don't think it's good so if you have a multiple opinion and then it's it's easy for the panel as well to decide uh, what is the right thing to do and this is also important because starting from phd and as you go along the whole academic career it is just like you have a panel of people who will judge what you have done so far so it's it's a good starting point it's it's not it's it's difficult yeah. in the beginning when someone is coming from an undergraduate and postgraduate where you don't interact with someone this completely unknown and when you go to oxford like obviously you have this feeling like they are uh, like very famous scientists who have written books and someone like even even nobel laureates and all so you have to uh, mm-hmm. stay calm and answer what they are asking and mm-hmm. the best thing is like they are answering something that you are interested to so you will be more happy to discuss for this so don't take it as a Um, mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, it's an mm-hmm. examination. I have to either pass or I'll be failed. So it's more of a informal achievement. Even if you're right. not selected, mm-hmm. you will get some new ideas which you can again apply and to go to another institution. I mean, that's a very, very you know. Uh, I think uh, this point which it drives. You know, you have to have that mindset. It's not an exam, mm-hmm. right? It's not the end of the mm-hmm. world, right? It is something. you will there will be some positive outcome out out of it you know you will learn from the experience itself i think that comes from experience uh, and definitely it's a very good point you know for the uh, audience also to understand and appreciate the fact that 
there are things beyond the examinations for sure and definitely to have a very calm nerve uh, in these sort of scenario and as you put rightly uh, in, in terms of you know this is something which you are very interested in very which makes you happy reading or writing on about it so it's not like an exam per se but something which you know it's like having a free flowing conversation uh, that sort of mindset needs to be kept uh, in mind i mean that's a very a uh, very interesting perspective sonak so this brings me to a very interesting uh, question in terms of i think everyone will be very interested to know how do you sort of uh, secure funds for your phd what are the mechanisms i am aware you re- you have received the most prestigious and highly competitive clarendon scholarship uh, so tell us about uh, you know uh, what are the ways to secure funding for your phd uh how how do you prepare for it and what are the options available right this is again a very important question for anyone who's uh, who's looking for like study abroad options uh funding is one of the major uh, issues where you, know, you may get selected to some of the top universities in the world but maybe you'll not get uh, enough funding and uh, being a foreigner it uh, the 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 tuition fees for phd or even for postgraduate courses uh, they are immensely they they are huge and may not be possible for uh, everyone to uh, accept that, to do that and then uh, join join a particular course and that's why the funding okay. is very important uh, for a particular like the clandon scholarship which you have uh, expl- which you have said i think uh, gives a very good uh, amount to uh, to pay for your cert and also to have a decent lifestyle uh in oxford and for for a single person and it was competitive and i'd say it was a lot of luck as well that's involved because i believe there are many uh, good students and good applications they receive and at the end of the day it's those 15 to 20 minutes during the interview uh, that how you explain your stuff and how you make uh, people interested on your uh, project and for them to decide that you are really motivated and you can survive the whole of grad school yeah. and that's how the whole selection process goes so 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 tell me what are the available options and why did you select clarendon over the others or did you apply for others also? right so so the oxford uh, application is pretty straight forward for this uh, funding issues you don't have to apply separately Uh, so all oxford applications uh, goes through the clarendon scholarship which means after the department shortlists your shortlist your uh, applications they will ask you come mm-hmm. like ask you to come for interview or you can uh, do a skype interview as and after that interview they will draw they will nominate one or two students uh, from their department to the division in in oxford which means like there are multiple departments in biological sciences physics chemistry the part of the mathematical and physical science division which is again a part of the university so the all these departments then submit one nomination to the division and the division finally decides and selects uh, for the clandon scholarship uh, so it is a nearly around 120 to 150 um, uh, scholarships per year they give that spans from all different subjects starting from music theology to 
um, different parts wow. of science, uh, including biology and even astrology, uh, astrophysics, and every every department has one Clarendon scholarship. Now, the point why I um, selected Clarendon is because Clarendon uh, announced their result uh, first, like uh, after the Oxford interviews are over. Uh, you get you have two options: okay. either you get a fund, you get a funding and an offer. Or you get an offer from the department and you have to secure funding and there are several other indian uh, uh, funding agencies that also give uh, scholarship to oxford like the felix and even before that there's a road scholarship which i actually missed because as i said i was not interested going to uk and road scholarship actually starts pretty earlier before the oxford application starts so i kind of missed that so i had an option for only clarendon for the uh, uh, Oxford funding and then you have other Indian scholarship where it selects only the Indian students to go to Oxford and there are like five or six other uh, scholarships and all these lists are available in the graduate study website at Oxford and uh, the reason to select Clarendon is as I said uh, they announced uh, it first so I, I was not uh, my name will not be gone to other other scholarship agencies uh, because those who are not selected for the Clarendon they get automatically um, selected for for the other other uh, funding agencies and then they shortlist and they go so the whole entire process goes for nearly three or four months and I think after you get an offer you have a time uh, period of nearly three months to to show that you have uh, enough funding from this funding body uh, and then they also have to send a letter to the university that to confirm that yes, you have enough funding to cover your uh, tuition fees and and the living cost. Uh, for Clarendon, because it was a part of the university, I don't have to deal with a lot of this uh, uh, paperwork because the tuition fees directly uh, gets transferred from the funding body to the university, which is ideally the same office. So a lot of this pay, official paperwork is much easier in my. Wow, wow. I think there were very few, very uh, crucial points which came out, you know, in terms of uh, missing the deadline. So uh, there are, as uh, mentioned, right, uh, like road scholarships. So the entire timeline needs to be very, very yeah, established beforehand. I, and You're right. I think this is very important with the timeline because many a times we miss uh, the deadlines and you are not uh, selected. For example, I think Oxford has three rounds of uh, application deadline, if I'm not wrong i think they had something in december okay. and in january and then sometime in march or april uh but i may be wrong uh, with that and with these three uh, uh, deadlines i think the scholarship deadlines also uh have the similar timeline except the roads which which starts pretty early something around april or may and then you have the oxford applications and then uh, the other other funding bodies and I think mostly Oxford students start in October in the Michaelmas term, which means by August, I think you have to have your uh, mm -hmm. like finances sorted out. And the whole process is a very time consuming thing. And I would encourage people to start at least one and a half year uh, to at least have the mindset that, okay, I am living uh, in India and then I have to apply and get all these things sorted out. Correct, correct. Definitely. I think that's a very uh, 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 sufficient amount of uh, at least uh, gap to have before, you know, someone is preparing, having the mindset to apply internationally. It gives a lot of room uh, if things go wrong, if you need to prepare, etc., etc. So I think that's very important to have that sort of timeline in mind 
before uh, before sort of applying so this sort of you know brings me to a very important question or a very interesting question in terms of how do you prepare is it like preparation for a scholarship different from applying to a particular like phd like how do you how how will how should someone prepare for a scholarship like clarendon or other scholarship you, do you need to do something different i'm i'm, I'm sure you just mentioned uh, in terms of luck played a crucial role i mean uh, uh, definitely i think uh, you have been too humble uh, uh, as i'm i can personally vouch for mm-hmm. sonak has been a very hard worker so um, uh, i'll take it that definitely luck has played but you definitely need to be a very a uh, hard working person for sure so sonak shed some light on this particular piece how do you prepare for well, that's very really kind of you ashish and i i think yeah hard working you, you really need to be hard working uh, because in science i mean it is it is a tough uh, tough job because you don't have any fixed uh, rules or fixed things that you have every day is a new challenge and especially in science i mean you are when you're doing a research means you are trying to uncover something unknown uh, which means like if it is already known by other people it's easy you can just repeat it mm-hmm. but the thing is it it is just the opposite so it takes time to come up with a new thing a new idea not always ideas uh, make sense and they 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 work like that way so most of the time ideas are proved to be wrong there is there is absolutely yeah. no rule book right you are yeah, defining it yeah there is actually no yes. rule book so in terms of scholarships i i would say there were no i have not prepared it separately uh, I, i think for clandon because there is no separate interview for clandon specifically it's the same interview which the department uh, faculty members take and they decide whether you will be offered a position or not and the same way they nominate if you, if they think you are good they nominate one student to the division for the clarendon scholarship and finally based on your cv and your proposal and the nomination from the department um, makes whether you get a, a scholarship for other funding bodies i know there are separate interviews for it but as always it's the same same rule there as well they will ask about what's your motivation to go to oxford and what we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. out of this phd and how you're looking like what you what you want to be in the next 5 or 6 years after you get a phd so if you show the motivation and you're clear in your path that what you want to do i think that's the major thing that every funding bodies are looking for and i think there are so lo- lots of other things i would say that it's not only your marks that matters what you have achieved in your school or Uh, undergraduate or postgrad uh, those marks are important but they don't decide uh, whether you will be a good researcher or not because doing research is a very different thing yeah, i think if you are brave you're motivated and you have the uh, the, the curiosity uh, to to learn something new i think you're the best fit uh, to do uh, to do research and this is exactly what i think oxford uh, looks for in their applications you have to somehow show that motivation through your application and also during the interview and i think that's 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 what i'd say is the important part mm-hmm. i think these are two very crucial yeah. point uh, put out by sonak the first is definitely don't get disheartened by the numbers you have achieved previously uh during your uh, post grad undergrad whatever it is definitely numbers do matter uh but do keep in mind the second point which comes out of it is in terms of whenever you're applying to have 
the right motivation as mentioned so not so motivation is a really big factor because ultimately if you look in terms of uh the entire length of the program right you're working in a very sort of niche area where you are every day getting up uh, trying to understand trying to solve uh, things uh, which has not been done before as earlier in our conversation it came out very clearly there are absolutely no rule book for a given problem statement it's it's all about how curious you are how you know what is your appetite to learn new things so i think that these are very crucial points and on the surface of it uh, things might look tough but uh, uh, but as you uh, apply as you sort of uh, do your homework you know uh, if you keep these sort of points in mind to you know have exactly the right motivation clear sort of vision and the curiosity to learn i think definitely uh, your odds will definitely improve i think that's that uh, these were some excellent points sonak uh, i think it will be really helpful for the uh, aspiring students uh, and whoever is listening to yeah, this you know i think this will be really great and thank you ashish for doing this uh, one last thing i'd say that uh, don't be scared of applications because uh, even if you are rejected mm-hmm. uh, the whole process makes you uh, stronger for the next application and rejections will come all throughout the phases not only during phd even after phd as you apply for fundings grants and the inter academic research environment is like that is you have to apply a lot uh, and then only a, a couple of them uh, finally works out so rejections are part of it so accept the rejections try to improve and see whether uh, what what things they have uh, suggested and um, correct them and i think that makes a better application for the next round correct i think that's the thing you know have to have the perseverance in any of the things which you try uh, to you know to never get disheartened uh, and definitely one experience uh, or one setback helps you learn a lot uh, I, this sort of brings me to my sort of the last question i i know i've taken a lot of your time but uh, i think it was the conversation is just going so great so i wanted to ask you know uh, if you were to start again if you were you know uh, back at day zero uh, if you were doing things again what would you have done this differently you know or what will you sort of uh, suggest people starting just right now Uh, sort of that right yeah, i think it's it's an interesting question i've not thought about it to be honest but let me think now and i think mean, i don't regret what i've done um, so far and mm-hmm. for someone who wants to start i think i just say one thing start early because uh, if you have a clear mm-hmm. understanding what you want to do what you uh, look like in the next 10 15 years i mean it's it's tough i know things change uh, like i mean covid-19 is a great example i mean who would have thought happen and take off mm-hmm. like nearly a years of work from our life but it happens and so always have a plan b but um, in terms of the work and uh, applications i think starting early gives you enough time to think and to digest what's happening um, because that that's important and don't keep everything to the last minute in terms of applications because one of the part of the application is uh, <clears throat> a recommendation later from your previous mentors and 
that is important because uh, that also puts a lot of value to, to your application. And you have to give enough amount of time to your mentors to write a good ones. For example, you give two, two, uh, two days to a, to a scientist to write a recommendation for you. They might write it, but it may not be amazing mm -hmm. and they may not have all the points that they would like to see in your application because you have to remember the 15 20 minutes is not enough to understand a person what they have done and what they have achieved so all these offline things are very important and to put enough effort in your applications and your letters of recommendation um, to be to be of that that standard so that you're already ahead of many and for universities like oxford i would say or any other top university you have to accept the fact that everyone is best. So uh, those who have applied and those who are finally shortlisted for interview uh, means there is a reason they're shortlisted and they are like, everyone is equally uh, competent to get that position. And that's why at the end I say, it's a lot of luck as well, but you have to give your best. And in terms of uh, going back, I think uh, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty uh, okay for me. I think uh, doing my master's only I have decided uh, that I want to do a research and then uh, I have to apply. And I started looking for options during my first year of my MSc. And same goes for my even post PhD. Towards the end of my PhD, I started thinking, okay, what's next? I mean, this is going to end. Uh, I have to yeah. submit a thesis and submitting a thesis, I found that was uh, even difficult than, than uh, uh, entering <laughs> for a PhD program. Uh, so I think now I would say it's mm -hmm. more easy to uh, join uh, institute for PhD, but it's more difficult to finish it and uh, move on uh, to the next uh, next phase of your career. I think that's uh, that's a very ex excellent point, Sonic. In terms of you know, uh, uh, if I can remember correctly, they used to say it's easy to get in Oxford, right. difficult to get out, right? So uh, <laughs> I think it's a very excellent point. And one thing which sort of came out of this sort of conversation is to always have in your mind you know what's next what's next you know this thing will be over or this milestone will be achieved but what will be the next thing i will be doing so i think that's a very excellent point in terms of in general in a career whichever you are making to have that sort of vision in your mind and be prepared for it i mean as mentioned uh, sonic just started before even defending a phd for postdoc opportunities right so it becomes very important to have that sort of clarity in the vision uh, to do what will be you will be doing next. I think that's a very excellent point for everyone to uh, understand and appreciate. I think, uh, Sonak, that was uh, uh, excellent. excellent. No, thank you very much, Ashish, for doing this. Uh, I hope you keep doing uh, these, these kind of podcasts. I hope it will encourage and uh, the new uh, aspirants uh, who want to take research as a career or science as a career rather and, and take up doing PhD abroad or, or in India, like wherever they want to do. And science has no mm -hmm. boundaries. You can do anywhere in the world. Right, right. I mean... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, it was wonderful having you over here on Blitz Business Sonic. Thank you so much uh, for your time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we will be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned. <laughs>